to the Polarized Podcast. Uh, it is your host, James, Lindsay. Uh, <laughs> we are having a quite a special episode Absolutely. today. Um, I cannot emphasize enough how excited I am about this episode in particular. Yeah. Um, today, I have literally sitting across <laughs> from me, not, not in spirit, uh, but physically in front of me uh my co-host the brandon stables the brandini yeah. is uh in face the flesh. to face in the flesh in we the are flesh. sitting next to each other um recording this episode of polarized mm-hmm. a uh, a podcast about movies polarizing movies uh movies that people do not dis- people do not agree on they uh the only thing that they can agree on is to disagree <laughs> uh, on these movies in particular. Um, we've done uh, this is twenty some our twenty something episode in, and we've wow. done, we've done uh, yeah we've done a variety Holy of uh, different episodes. It's it's quite a little journey we've we've made as a small uh, little podcast that could get to twenty. We I I uh, I'm so excited that it's gotten this far. I'm so excited. That uh, yeah, my right. my co-host is in front of me, and we're we're sharing uh, cheers, a couple of little chin little chin. brew doggies, chin chin. I'm gonna take a little sip right now. Mm-hmm. Nice Modelo. We got some tequila. Uh, I bet you're wondering what's the special occasion. Uh, Maybe you're not. You Maybe know, you're not. But we're gonna tell you. Who cares? We're gonna tell you anyways. <laughs> uh, we are going to see a concert tonight. Yeah. Uh, Brandon came up from San Diego to Los Angeles, um, and. We watched our movie, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, last night. Uh, this record is taking place right before we head to the concert. So it's just, if we're a little giddy, then, you know, yeah. that's the reason why. We're co-opting uh, this as a uh, pregame as well. <laughs> James is pouring some more shots, and yeah, we're going to we're gonna keep the shots going. I mean, I think the podcast is only going to get better as, the, as, we, <laughs> as it goes on. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be here, especially for this movie, because um, we'll definitely get into uh, in in near pornographic detail. But <laughs> this is uh, this is a movie that is near and dear to both of our hearts, and it, absolutely, it, it is a relatively informative movie when it comes to our comedy and what we think is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really great watching this movie, and then we watched I Think You Should Leave, and that is a similar um, comedic vein. And mm-hmm. things like it are um, are really fucking funny, and I laugh so much when people make stupid sounds with their mouths, <laughs> when they say nonsensical shit to other people, and when somebody acts insane, and then all the normal people have to go this guy is absolutely crazy <laughs> and then have to react to it and yeah i just this is an important movie this is an important night yeah not everyone uh agrees on it we uh, yeah. here at this podcast we go by the the holy grail of Ron, oh, God, Ron yeah. tomatoes uh scores which um you know we've been realizing more and more can be extremely misleading and and uh, yeah. how they portray the the quantifiable stats of a movie in terms of like reception and this one like fake news borderline yeah borderline. i mean, I mean it's, it's it gets close because i yeah anybody who's you know maybe going back and listening who's been listening uh shout out to all your polar bears out there <laughs> who have been listening um yeah i think ultimately we gravitate towards certain movies which we've all you know commented to each other about you know of podcasters and critics and reviewers you know everybody in general has uh like 
predilections or a certain interest that not everybody's into, but that's their thing and they love it and they stand for it. And um, yeah, but ultimately, like when you look at it, things in the aggregate or the average, um, we end up being pretty like in the middle, which is how, mm-hmm. I think is how you, I, I'm glad that's the case. I mean, it would be maybe, you know, and this is kind of commentary on just news and entertainment as a, a broader whole, but, you know, typically it'd be more interesting if we were very, like, one-sided on things. But I think, hopefully, because I'm relishing this fact, and it, we've talked about it, and it seems like you are, and maybe people out there are, is that it, we ne- we aren't necessarily polarizing. We're just, no. we're, the format is talking about polarizing movies, but more often than not, we watch these movies and yeah, sometimes they really suck. You know, Last Exorcism is an example of a movie that I think is absolute garbage, but for the most part, like, I don't know, I, you know, I, I think about it not often, but here and there, um, about Hotel Transylvania. Like I was really surprised to myself that I was able to succumb to the kind of stupid simplicity of it and just give it like, you know, a a 50%, which isn't like a great score, but like, I don't know. I could have like going into it thought I would have been, you know, before even watching it, not just recording the podcast, but like I was going to be like, this is going to be a 12% or a 20% Mm -hmm. because it's going to just be this happy Madison phoning it in bullshit that we're now coming to really get used to. And I, yeah, it just like watching these movies, having these conversations, I think, you know, if you open yourself up to just thinking about things critically and not, you know, trying to not get too bogged down in like being contrarian for the sake of like pushing art or like making a state like a hard opposing stance to create drama we ultimately arrive in a pretty middle ground on things and it's just yeah it's been a delight i that was my yeah i think it like it's more if the piece of art like hits a note that really like it's a nerve in you that really like makes you upset. And I think, yeah, you and I can relate where it's like, it takes so much, and for anyone, it takes so much energy to hate, and hate. to hate something and be uh, actually triggered or whatever, triggered by something that so much so that it it really affects you to that point. And most of, most of the time you can just kind of disregard. You can just kind of like, and I think we described in that particular example of Hotel Transylvania, it's just more so it does not apply to us and it would take something more so like in a last last exorcism if anyone hasn't heard of that movie it's this you know found footage mockumentary sort of thing Mm -hmm. and that found footage hits a note where it's kind of like ugh, i'm over this you know uh and but with a lot of these movies and when we read the reviews which is always a fascinating process for me is that uh people are usually like hit on a singular note of the movie or it's just the overall expectation of what they wanted. But then you get to other movies where it's like, I don't know, there's like true classics out there that didn't get great receptions when they first came out. We talked about that. When I think about that, it's almost like, you know, they have, you have Yelp and you have, uh, and like even Google Maps and stuff like has a review page. Mm-hmm. And there's just things like the Yosemite National Park has a review page. Of, or like these of these national parks of like one of the most common and natural pieces, like pieces pieces of nature of like it, it exists whether humans are there or not 
But there's a page where you can review Yosemite National Park. Right. <laughs> and people are like rating it like three stars because, you know, the bathroom the 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 bathroom's the bathroom's dirty and the, yeah. and the parking sucks and everything. And it's just that stuff is just funny to me when it's like we take such power in how we rate things and, and put a, an ascribed sort of numerical value to it. Um, well, yeah, maybe those, it is helpful, those people are con- yeah. have their concerns of like, oh, I, I do need to know that it's going to be I'll take a shit before to... I go up there. I mean, I sure. thought that was common knowledge, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yeah. I... But just that numerical value, you know, and how, uh, you, how you ascribe it and then how other people go to that site and then interpret it about right. what they want to, if they want to partake in that experience. And, well, this is not... A national monument, uh, Ace Ventura, when nature calls. I mean, it should be. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those things that I, it, you know, it's art, and it, and, it, and it's man, it's made by man, and right. it deserves discussion and criticism. And um, you know, we here at this sure. podcast, we we like to talk about those reviews, and, and we like to talk about you know why pe- why the reception was the way that it was. Um, and this is, is this our first sequel? Have we done a sequel? We did a spiral from the book of Saw. Yeah, so that's And we did the that. original Saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was its own thing. But this is, yeah, we didn't do the first Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura. Indiana which, Jones. We did Indiana, Indiana Jones. That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess you're right. There's some like mm-hmm. sequels that divide people over like, oh, it's still good. They still got it. And other people are like, it's washed out and I'm over it. Um, Matrix too. Matrix. Oh, wow. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I can see I can see why sequels are polarizing or like see why people sure? kind of get divided oh, about totally. it. Even like a sequel I've talked about loving is Lost World Jurassic Park. And um, yeah, most people don't like that one. And uh, I know, uh, yeah, some people are like Defenders of Greece 2 and, and whatnot. And mm-hmm. there's Those just... people are wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, reproduction. Um, oh, God. There's... Uh, there's, there's to, to, to try to quantify within our own world the trends that uh, uh, occur within these movies is interesting because they're such vastly different movies from one another, a lot of them. And so, so to try to like uh, strike some sort of pattern um, between them all is difficult, especially when what we try to do is pick movies that are different from one another, from like uh, one movie to the, to the next, we'll, we'll try to mix it up and yeah, from uh, from Indiana Jones to Last Exorcism to like Men in Black uh, International. Yeah, that's another one. Um, the Holiday. I, it's just fun to a little retrospective. I guess we're kind of doing right now, like going mm-hmm. getting getting into twenty or so episodes and uh, thinking about these things that um, these movies that we maybe wouldn't even have watched or it's been our list or we're rewatching. Or there's the Lost Sweetest Thing episode that oh, yeah. is gone forever. Gone that, forever. That uh, we That's watched fine. the Sweetest Thing and it's it we we talked about it and it's probably yeah it's probably best that it's, it's, that it's yeah. gone. <laughs> exactly. Maybe it'll yeah. Maybe um, we'll revisit it, but it's I don't think it's worth it. No, I I don't think so either. Uh, <laughs> it's it it is what it is. Um, we. Yes. We 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 discussed more Cam, Cameron Diaz and uh, I don't think we came to like a complete conclusion. No, we it, didn't. It is, that's the yeah. Is. I guess that's yeah. That's a good point because that's a I think a reason why the there wasn't a real desire to just go. It's fine that you know that happened, but let's get into it and do it again um, because the movie isn't really that enjoyable. It's no. we never really got to like 
I mean, you're just, yeah. I, I mean, I left the Cameron Diaz little um, back-to-back feature. Uh, yeah, just being like, I feel kind of the same way that I've always felt. Yeah. Which is a bummer because I, the whole point of it was is to get a sense of like, here is... Here are two movies that a lot of people really enjoy of hers that really are pretty representative of who she is as an actress or what she portrays on screen usually. And both of them, it's like, yeah, I don't know. This is, are they really that interesting of characters? No. Is And then she just also oscillates between being like a really strong and powerful person, a uh, woman in particular, and then also being just like totally um, like a doormat. And it just, I don't know. It just, it's not aging well. I, and I, I think we might've provided, and I can provide context now that, I mean, given the time period that she was coming, those movies were coming out. Like, I think it was a little bit more of a new thing for somebody with her attitude and like, kind of um pep and standpoint um but it's not like it aged well it's not like you watch her performances and go there's a really like uh a, a person with a lot of agency making complicated decisions it's like she just i mean it's also she hasn't really done a whole lot of movies where maybe she's been given that chance to do yeah. it but i, I think know. i should watch uh, being john malkovich again i remember being, yeah like, yeah uh, we blown yeah, away yeah. by her, her right, right, right. yeah we've, we've gone through this before and i i uh i think you know you guys go along for the ride for it but this is an exercise for us to kind of get into stuff that we've always been curious about i think too and kind of like um a lot of these movies are cult classics or are things that mm. maybe be on a list of like, oh, I should watch that sometime. Right. Or it's like, oh, this got attention for a hot second and right. then disappeared. Why did that happen? Or like, or why is do people still hold it in such high regard? Um, even to this hocus pocus. <laughs> and, and I mean, uh, and I I like this movie, but it is a polarized movie. Hook as well. Hook and hocus pocus make me think of that. Where yeah, people sure, just sure. like you talk, you bring that up with people, and people like get really like lit up about oh my god i love that movie and you know what like to bring it back uh segue it's kind of us right now us with internal nature calls it's like people that bring this movie that movie up i it i get all giddy about it because i'll I'll just start going through all the the one-liners that i like the quotable lines that Mm. i want to uh say so much so that we found out when we watched it today like yeah there's just things that He's saying lines from other things that are like old timey, like radio serials, like yes, High Ho Silver or something mm-hmm. that like you don't know as a kid, like really. And I, I still don't. But he's talking out of his like, butt. Was that like Silver Bullet? <laughs> I don't know what is that, whatever that radio serial oh, yeah, was oh, or yeah. something, but like. Uh, Lone Ranger. Well, yeah, like, and then. Uh, but it's the fact that he's making this shadow puppet on this dude's face after rubbing his nipples, nipples and stuff but the like nipple that. rubbing's hilarious. And so by the time he's doing Hi Super, you're just like, oh, he just came up with that on his own. I don't know what that is, but it's just fun to say. So, so I would fun. say that as a child. The same way that Looney Tunes and stuff would like I would watch Looney Tunes as a kid and they do like Vaudevillian and stuff, and you're like, like Cagney impressions yeah. and stuff, and right? Or like Elvis, Co- or not Elvis Costello, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be cool. <laughs> that'd be cool. I mean, uh, maybe there, there's been some, some um, Abbott and Costello, yeah, or I don't even like Marilyn Monroe. So you just like you get as a child these references in different areas, and 
from like the thing of him on the plane doing the Shatner Twilight Zone episode. Right. It's like this is as a child, you're just like this is just a dude saying funny things in a funny voice and, and exactly and so it's simple. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what it's from and I I give him a lot of credit where where credit is due. Uh, Jim Carrey as a person. If we just want to talk about Jim Carrey as a person, um, as as much as like. Yeah, when I watched that, I don't know if you've seen the uh, what's that what's that movie where he plays Andy Kaufman? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, something I, it's like Man on the Moon. Man, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, great movie and great performance. But you see that documentary about him and the making, making of that. it. And yeah, he is like a complete. Oh, Andy and Me is the name. Okay, yeah, yeah that, love the documentary. He is on another level, level. like on like. Yeah, he's he's dedicated to his craft, but at the sake and of other people and them trying to do their craft, uh-huh. so much so that he's like an outright asshole on Huge that set, asshole. and 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 forcing other people who are trying to do their jobs and making it harder, like on everybody else, and making it all about him, and just method acting to the point where it's abusive to mm-hmm. himself and other people around him. Yeah. And it opened my eyes to that experience. Man, you see that person in the you know just just on at all points in all movies that he's he's in uh, and we made this joke earlier where it's just like yeah i guess like you got to put him in movies because he's doing this whether there's a camera roll or, or not <laughs> yeah. yeah so you might as well start rolling a camera because this guy is like acting acting like this right. but it did make me think like watching this is just like what is it like working with that that individual it, uh, must, it sure. must be must be a lot yeah, I mean, but I think to that point, like why this movie in my mind is successful is is that I think, um, I think Steve, right, Steve Odenkirk, mm-hmm. uh, was able to like frame things and to let him do these things. Yeah, because there is an overwhelming sense of. He's doing stuff that's not written down. <laughs> no one was like, okay, Jim, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. It's like more just keep filming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, Jim, that's great. Sounds good. <laughs> like, we got it. I guess we're moving on. Um, How many outtakes do you think? I mean, even oh, the, my God. Even when I watch like Liar Liar, some of the, that movie, I love Liar Liar, one of the, like just a funny movie. Yeah, I love um, that movie too. I love some, a lot of Jim Carrey movies. Some funny stuff in that movie. More, I like all more the, uh, yeah. the bloopers in, in Liar Liar are very funny. And sure. But you see how much he's putting out in those bloopers and how much stuff he'll just improvise and throw out there. And uh, he loves attention. I think you were, you're onto something with, yeah, him being in, in an environment where that is fostered and those ideas are supported in a way where he he's allowed to express those things but he also seems like an energizer running or something where he's never going to stop there's no tiring him out or anything but you might as well appease him and let him get some of these ideas out there and and film them um and i'm curious how they edit around uh everything that that he does but he is so natural on camera like it's an it's an it's amazing how much he is 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 aware of where the camera is his placement and now he's able to do this 
amazing slapstick humor, body work sort of stuff and land at his mark <laughs> and get the angle of like whatever like sort you. of eye sort of uh, facial expression that he wants to get. Because he sits there in front of a mirror and probably just probably does, just, like, for, does I mean, faces for hours about how he wants sure. things to come off. And it's hard for it not to be quotable and hard for it not to be like, because uh, uh, it's what he's, it's it's very purposefully what he's trying to do. He wants you to repeat what he's doing, like, because he repeats it to himself and comes up with this whole persona. Um, and... I'm I'm going off about about my feelings of, of Jim Carrey. No, and no, this, that's what this role, is, yeah, that's this role cool. in particular. Dumb Dumber is is something that's one of my favorite favorite movies, and in that movie and this movie, there are people around him that are level headed and and straight mm-hmm. and uh, and make it easier for him to platform into his sure. bonkers ass uh, way of being. And yeah, Jeff Daniels and Dumb and Dumber wouldn't be the same without Jeff Daniels. And, you know, it wouldn't be like Liar, Liar wouldn't be the same without, you know, the kid and, and his ex-wife and and Jerry. <laughs> Jerry's so funny in that movie. Uh-huh. But, uh, in this movie, it's, uh, what's what's the guy? Is it Seth Cecil? Cecil or something like that? Oh, this, um, the straight man? Uh, it, McNeil, something. McNice? Uh, y- yeah. He's, Ian McNice? Yeah, Ian Ian McNeese. Nice. Oh, as Fulton Fulton Greenwall is is the is Fulton. the character's name. Fulton Greenwall. 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 <laughs> Pleasure Tiki. <laughs> Pleasure Tiki. <laughs> uh, yeah, we should. Yeah, we'll get into the movie and the story and, and all that stuff. I just had to say like my my piece about about Jim Carrey, or even if you want to say anything about Steve Odekirk. I mean that that guy is somebody that is has made things that were really funny to me as a child. Jimmy Neutron. And um, and Kung Pao, and that's a polarizing movie that we might cover one day. Um, but that's a weird, stupid, stupid, very stupid, stupid humor sort of yeah. sort of movie that, as like an eleven year old, I think when that something like that when I, when that movie came out, I was just like, this is my humor, and this is this is exactly what I want to see. Mm-hmm. And with this movie, yeah, it's just a grown man acting like a child. Yeah. And giving his full dedication to it. And dude, talking out of your butt? Are you kidding so me? So funny. It's the funniest thing. It's the funniest fucking thing, dude. How do you come up with this yeah. stuff? It's genius. genius. <laughs> uh, True genius. Body work. Like, um, and just it feels so good to act like him. And he figured out this way of like, I don't know, he has so much energy, he just has to express it, but like it feels good to impersonate him. The same way as, yeah, like. Uh-huh, sure. Austin Powers or these like characters that were coming out around this around this time, I guess. I don't know. It's just like these original IPs of of comedic characters that are bonkers and, and weird and interesting. And they're where are they coming from? I don't know. Just like, hey, pet detective. <laughs> you know, like well, why not? I don't know. It's uh I guess Adam Sandler's doing some of that sort of stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, but Mike Myers... And I mean, he was doing, doing some of that stuff at the time. And it's very... Mm-hmm. This movie is very 90s, and this comedy is very 90s. Because like one thing right before we got on the record was we were talking about that they don't make movies like this anymore. If you wanted to find this type of humor, you would go on Adult Swim. Um, but our, 
this movie like came out in theaters. Like, when are you going? You know, there's yeah, they just don't put movies like this in theaters anymore. And I mean, rightfully so, because it's like it's perfect for you know going on VOD and Netflix and streaming services. Because it's like, I mean, especially this movie and movies like it, they're not visual movies. There isn't, I mean, there's definitely a benefit to being in a theater with other people and laughing together, but that's really the only sell for it. Outside of that, like, Jim Carrey was such hot shit. And yeah. like, and I mean, in this time period, I, I don't know, there was one year Super like hot. before now, before this or, or shortly after where he's he, a movie star. Yeah. He, he's just on such an amazing run. And I think that, will be reflected in the low scores of this movie is the tired people being tired of, of Jim Carrey or this or this kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I think yeah, like going it is it might have been a, an event to be like, oh, it's the Ace Ventura guy. We're gonna go see a movie. But I'm sure there's like before this movie even came out, I'm sure there's plenty of people that are like, why are they making another one of those movies? Like why why or like sure just like a cash grab is is I'm sure what a lot of people are thinking the same way that I mean that happens now. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, you know, like this, and I, and, and I think, you know, it's not just us that have talked about it, you know, these kind of like mid, middle level, mid-level kind of comedy movies that, that would come out in theaters and just work great on VHS and, uh, played during cable, new totally. c- cable all day and everything. And this is one I saw on cable all the time and Family saw a lot. I saw the, the cut version of this movie, probably even more so than. The normal version um mm. i i saw i saw it so much but yeah there's i don't know there's there's stuff on streaming definitely like i i know hulu has made some funny stuff there was this vac- vacation friends movie i saw recently that was like oh this is like a i don't know john cena silly silly comedy and just like kind of stupid but like really like not really funny and not trying to like Are you talking about Bar- Bar- uh, barb and star no, that's a great one too. That that is also I was also thinking of that one. Uh, <laughs> that's a very stupid silly movie. I love that. That movie was so funny. And uh and yeah, this Vacation Friends one was too and I think there was moments in both of those movies where I was kind of worried it was going to get up its own ass at a certain point because there's this Yeah, it does like, <laughs> Yeah. Like there I like that there's an emotional heart or whatever to the characters of Barb and Star and John Cena's kind of a sweetheart in Vacation Friends so even though he's like a true like uh, kind of crazy person <laughs> oh, <sure. laughs> or whatever is and that's the whole joke of the movie is that they're crazy vacation friends or, or or whatever but uh and there's still the heart there but there's something else that i don't know a lot of comedies i, I feel like just have to have that overtly dramatic moment and also like this moral message that it's trying to get at as well and it's done really really well in in, in some movies and other times it, it overshadows when it could be just like a, yeah so stupid comedy it could just could just be that you know and uh um not to hit on those movies that do have that do have more like the dramedy sort of dramatic sort of stuff to it it's just uh sure. i think what we're getting at is like these adam sandler you know at the time eddie murphy steve martin um sort of comedies that were that were coming out that were just like hey look at this this guy that you know is a funny guy will ferrell i don't know he's he had his run too or just like do do funny funny things and he's like this this character doing doing funny stuff and mm. um eh, yeah i don't know i don't want to go well, I, mean, I, wanna, I don't want to go full comedy is it's not that that to that extent but comedy is dead or anything it's just to the to these these types of things and uh you know not everyone's missing it because not everyone like this movie so. 
Yeah, I would just make a clear distinction, though, that a lot of Adam Sandler, especially now, like mid to late game Adam Sandler, not to say late game, I'm sorry, his career is probably going to go on forever. Uh, but, like, it just, this movie is a, it just really is clear in that the what Jim Carrey really makes a huge fucking difference because there are plenty of movies that Adam Sandler in particular makes that are not funny. And typically those movies, he is the straight guy in it. Sure. And then he just has these whole cast of kooky characters that come in and make very stupid jokes. And mainly a lot of it's potty humor. Um, Or everybody's crazy. Or or everybody's crazy. Something to that effect. And it typically for me doesn't work um, because it's, yeah, I don't know to see somebody to see the main character as the straight guy and just be the worry ward or concern or just really, I mean, also to uh, uh, just an issue I have with Adam Sandler is, is that he is very lethargic, especially once you start getting into like um, post little Nicky. Um, I mean, you start to see it a little bit in uh, big daddy, but that was like, that made more sense. Cause he's like, you know what the character is um but yeah like with jim carrey his energy is so incredibly i was gonna say zohan was one of those last like char- zohan was one and of those you last, know what? Like, i don't mind zohan characters. i don't like that movie but that's okay i know a lot of people do and that's that's great i mean it's one of those things maybe i should revisit but i remember seeing that and love guru in that same year and being oh like, yeah this man. is this is a bad those are the two it's fine if you love Zohan, whatever. We I think we can both agree Love Guru is a piece of shit movie. Love Guru um, is a piece of shit. And those that's where these kind of characters go to die. Yeah. It's right, like and yeah. I remember around that time it was like, oh yeah, this isn't really working for these guys, or I don't know, they're trying to come up with this new character, and it's like early on in for me, Zohan as well, but we'll just do Love Guru because that's can be the agreed upon terrible terrible thing but right from the beginning you're like oh this isn't working the same way as like a bad snl sketch you're like uh this is gonna be one of bad i don't like the joke yeah or i don't like and then it's like oh at least we'll move on but it's like no you're sitting a whole movie (laughs) if for the look (laughs) this character totally and that's and that's the there's a bunch of wacky characters in that sure that's the point is is that the love guru as a character sucks yeah and so ace ventura on the other hand doesn't suck no ace ventura has so much of this movie is about his passion mm. and it is him and his element mm-hmm. and him succeeding mm-hmm. and him being fucking great at his job. Mm-hmm. Like all of those things you like to see as opposed to in particular, like maybe Adam Sandler movies where the main character sucks at their job the whole movie and then they realize that they're good at it or they want to do something different. Right. He's like genuinely good at his job, but yeah. He- well, Adam Sandler, it's more anger. Like you, mm. you, I remember going to an Adam Sandler movie to be like, oh, I can't wait to see him, like, go off and, like, yell and scream and get mad. And sure. at least, like, Happy Gilmore, and I remember Anger Management, like, the cover of that is, like, him and Jack Nicholson, like, I like that yelling. Movie a lot. I like that movie, too. I, yeah. But also, it's like, that's that movie was kind of predicated on, like, oh, these two, like, wacky dude, like, intense, Jack aggressive, Nicholson like, angry dudes movie. are going, going neck and, like, head yeah. to head in this movie. That's... That's what the uh, the poster was, um, but no, I, I was you, Ace Ventura and Jim Carrey. A lot more of his movies are about more of an altruistic sort of character that is more sort of simple minded or yeah, or so like 
Um, yeah, you know, liar, liar, maybe not the beginning, but by the time it comes around, it's a very wholesome message of, of that movie is just don't lie. Um, and he is uh, making a career off lying and then. And he's really good at it. And yeah, then you're watching the, yeah, you're watching the opposite happen in that, which makes it interesting mm-hmm. why that movie stands the test of time, because it is a situation where somebody isn't. He's trying to be a better person. He's just trying to be a better person. Like Yes yeah. Man, too. For sure. That's, that's not a bad movie either. That's not a bad movie either. It's just, I mean, my recollection of it is it's just a little middling boring. Yeah. There's just certain, did, like, ex- auxiliary characters or whatever you would say for the supporting cast where you're like, yeah, this person isn't that funny. He's a little boring as, as yeah. well, you know. Another, like, playing the straight guy in yeah. that situation. Mm. Very, uh, Yes Man is such an Adam Sandler movie. He's very, like, muted but mm. people fucking love bruce almighty that was a huge that was a huge thing what a career dude like he he's he's had such a career and he's in an interesting spot now where he's like making art and stuff and um, then really has gone off in um like yeah on such a mental like yeah the way that he presents himself now is, is that he's figured out that he's in a simulation and he is trying and he like oh. and now gets that because it's a simulation he can essentially do whatever he wants wow and what power i already thought he, I, I already felt like he got there i mean he's always been that type of person <laughs> right? for sure like it's yeah it's not surprising that that's where he's at but right. yeah and also too like a lot of it i think in my mind goes from like not to say that he doesn't he d- doesn't deserve to be in this place that allows him this level of self actualization, but he's also in a place where he has had a really successful career and worked really hard to get there. That he can kind of have that attitude a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not to say that it's like he's you know it's uh, been given to him or born with a silver spoon or anything like that. But it just it, it's a little it it's somewhat convenient. I'll just say somewhat convenient that now at this point in his life where i'm sure he's doing so much retrospective thinking about the things that he's done probably how big of an asshole he's been because he really genuinely seems like an enormous asshole just a hard person to work with for sure yeah a handful to say the least but um on that note i really have to take a bathroom break and then maybe we'll get into the the movie we're we're back um what what a guy what an interesting person that that Jim Carrey is. Um, yes. And I mean, I would, as a child, watch his movies. I would watch his movies. I would watch a lot of America's Funniest Home Videos with Bob Saget. Um, and I would think, I think I would do a similar thing of what he would do is like, this is, this is such a... This is this is just me as a child. It's such a silly story. I was probably like I could have been like six or something like that, just watching like American America's Funniest Home Videos. Because I yeah, remember I would look in the mirror at the bat in the bathroom, and the sink would be above my head. I would have to go on my tippy toes. I was that small. That was like such a signifier to me of like how how young I was. I remember just like peeking over the kid the bathroom <laughs> counter, but I would climb on top of the bathroom counter. And I would look in the mirror and just make funny faces. Yeah. And try to be like, oh, man, I want to be on America's Funniest Home Videos. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I thought if someone took a video of me making funny faces. <laughs> oh, which is such a kid thing to do. Because yeah. I'd be like, oh, man, being funny is just the best. Like, isn't that like, and as a kid, like, realizing that of like, oh, my goodness. Agree. Like, if I can make people laugh. Totally. Like, it will make them happy. It will make me happy. And... 
they'll look at me as that person that brings joy into their life. It's just like to be that infectious with joy and laughter uh, was something that, yeah, I think I would like, I would aspire to be. So you, you see Ace Ventura and you see his, him doing his things, Jim Carrey or, mm-hmm. um, and, and you just see him as a one man wrecking crew. Yeah. Of just hilarity him, and everyone yeah. just laughing at him. He's like, man, I got to, I got to do what he's doing. I got to figure figure out what this guy's doing. And we were trying to figure out who else does stuff like that. And it's hard, hard to think of any, anyone who's really on that level, at least this, this day and age, but. um, There's not, because it's not cool. And Mm -hmm. I think, and I was, I made this comment to you when we were watching it, but I think a lot of that kind of humor lives predominantly on YouTube now. And I think obviously, uh, you know, uh, eight, eight, eight to 14 year olds aren't, you know, they're still into stupid humor like this. Um, but it just doesn't live on the big screen anymore. There's not, there's not these characters that get the time of day that get the budget and production because there are risk. It's an enormous risk. But then, but to the, back to the YouTube thing is that there are, thousands of youtube creators that are doing silly stupid voices the uh, editing style on youtube for popular youtubers like mr beast or pewdiepie because essentially pewdiepie does a a, you know as close as you're going to get to an ace ventura um sure that's that's a good point in this day and age where just silly voices a lot of highs and lows in your in your um, speech pattern and then just yeah and then uh, the the editing thing which is just so apparent to me is a lot of the crash zoom in on punchlines and stuff hard cuts jump cuts very just like ADHD go 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 which is very much this comedy on in this movie because I mean my god we we were joking about it um James's girlfriend Cara who's been on the pod was you know I mean the animal was one thing but like um was exhausted after it and it's like yeah absolutely like the second this movie starts it's like it's not Jim Carrey or Ace Ventura doesn't stop no there he it is in every fucking molecule of his being to just move to be funny to Mm -hmm. like try something that like yeah you're just he's not acting like a normal person you don't know exactly what he's gonna do next sometimes if you haven't seen this movie like a hundred times like we have but right still when you know what's gonna happen you're still kind of like oh my god here's here's (laughs) like you're kind of like when i was in the classic sort of case, you've seen a movie a hundred times, but you're just kind of already like, oh, this next part's so good. And like you're already anticipating it, but you're you're right in that it is exhausting and it is it's a, lot. a person that I, this time around, this, this, this time seeing it, that's kind of what hit home. I don't think I've seen this movie since maybe that documentary. Yeah, this of, is the of, age thing. Yep. Of, oh, of, I feel so right. Of just kind of, or just kind of like how much how hard it is to work with this person of like him being on all the time uh-huh. and coming, throwing ideas at you and you're coming and just wanting to do your job and wanting to do what's on the script and, you know, not to like get through it. Everyone wants to make good art and wants to make something yeah, great. Yeah, sure, sure. But I can just, 
I'm just picturing how certain days would go of 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 just kind of like rain, just like wrangling Jim. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> where's yeah? Jim's got two handlers and they, <laughs> yeah. they're feeding him snacks, making sure that he's like you know, especially when it's a second moderately it's like on he, time. I'm sure he's probably not. I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't seem like the guy that's on time for jack shit. I mean, that was the case in that documentary and of him just trying to get him in a place where you know. They can shoot him. Yeah, they, yeah and, and get him out of his trailer and, and get him to stop terrorizing the set. Yeah. Uh, there was, I just, there was this one shot. I know it was part of the scene of him trying to figure something out. Uh, he was at the, the, the sanctuary for the bat. And it, cu- it cuts to him in the middle of doing this thing of him trying to like figure something out detective wise. And he's just going, okay. <laughs> And he's just shaking his head back and forth, making this noise. Like, and I'm just like wondering, like, I know it's part of the scene, but he was probably just does that. He does that. Right? He yeah. Just, he just Because he's that. psyching himself up to go into. I mean. It looked like, yeah, it looked like kind of an actor psyching himself up for the scene. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, here we go. Take 30 seconds. <laughs> Take the, yeah, right. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's something that I've come to know after doing this podcast is, um, unevenness and i think we talked a lot about it last episode um and it just is something now that it's really apparent to me because of doing this and talking about it and now i just like cannot not be aware of it but it just must be so incredibly difficult for an actor who's trying to match the tone of what this is and like present themselves as like a part of that world yeah when you're acting against Jim Carrey, where you're like, every take is probably going to be like varying degrees of like loud or like he's going to move to the other side of this, of the frame or whatever. And, or something that's not even, not even in the scripts or whatever. Come up with it this take. Uh, It just, it like, oh man. Uh, what is this? Yeah, that's why Ian, Ian, Ian uh, McNeese is just doing the Lord's work out here. I know, man. There's like a lot of stuff. Like when he's giving the exposition to him in the plane on the way uh, to their destination, he like oh, it's like trying. It is trying to like get a child to listen, uh-huh. and it some of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it seems like it's not in the script. It might just be like in the script. Like they go on a plane ride. He explains everything to him, and then they land. It, Jim's like, no. Yeah, like the script for this is, you know. <laughs> I'm doing yak yeah. noise, which is so funny. But uh, for him to, for it to play well, yeah, it's got to roll right off his back. Uh, and, mm. and, it, and it does. It does. Where he's still telling the story, and there's sunflower seeds piling up on his arm. Um, oh, so and there's moments where he's Peanuts. laughing along with uh, what's he, what Ace Ventura is doing, of kind of chuckling. And that is kind of like a clue in to like this character. And I thought that, yeah, that, that, that sort of reaction of people around him was, was good in, in, in this movie, you know, and, um, who, who really cares about, you know, the villain and, and his, I don't know, just all that, all that stuff is just a way for you, set pieces for you to have, have, good, have good bits yeah and it's like i know i said it's hard to work with them all these all these things but it's like this is not a good movie without jim carrey there is no ace ventura obviously without uh jim carrey you know that his he is a one-man wrecking crew and 
the all the positives of that of like all those ideas that he's throwing at you that provides a, a consistency of character mm. in the movie because all of them are kind of organically come up uh organically made up by jim carrey in those moments and steve odekirk yeah it seems like the kind of guy instead of constantly trying to rein him in he's like letting let him go yeah flourish and let him do whatever um which yeah it's like this is the perfect movie for I it. Think it's, it's like sonic yeah. the hedgehog and he's dr robotnik it's like i may i don't know maybe this is kind of weird sort of combination of things going on that movie was kind of fun but it's it also is kind of like hard to fit in a bunch of jim carrey bits in this thing that's already a bunch of shit going on but yes, this exactly. is all about Pony, him this is yeah. all about the plot needs to be light and the yeah. plot was light yeah and i think it, and it's all about animals it's all yeah it's just it's about yeah it's about ace yeah i think this movie really maybe to the critics dismay or to where they are pointing out this movie to be bad this movie doesn't need to be more plot heavy it doesn't need to be the conversations don't really need to be more fleshed out or like how much do we need to know more about the conflict of the wachatis and the wachutis like we don't you don't need that no and you don't the only complaint i would make this go around if i'm if i'm going to get into any Mm -hmm. criticisms criticisms of the movie is the love interest and how she just kind of rolls up just like I like you, and I mean the spit, this the uh, this that's a yeah, it's a okay, spitting so. the paper. What do you call? Why am I blanking on that? It's a oh yeah, it's like um, spit spitball, gun, spitball, yeah, spitball. They're doing the spitball thing, yeah. but then she just drops her top and is like, "Let's go," and it's just that that's kind of like ugh, whatever. But it's it's uh, that's funny that you bring that. Does it uh, does it need to be more written out? Does it even need to be in there? I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't matter. But it's one of those things that uh, it just didn't play well for me this this go around. And but it's also just silly in the same way that I don't know. It reminds me of like a James Bond movie or something. Just kind of like yeah, it's we, dated. We're gonna have, we're yeah, gonna have it's some, dated. Man, we're yeah, it's sure. definitely dated. And yeah, we do just want to have like some sex or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so that's that's a, something that it's. I'm glad that you brought this scene up because this is really the first time that I got the masturbation joke because it's not in the cut. TV version, right? It's not. And that's a, a scene that I have not seen. It's very not much a, because yeah. I've seen the cut version so many times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just, yeah, I'm not watching this movie. God, I haven't seen this movie in fucking easily a decade. Um, most likely longer, maybe even. Uh, no, probably not too. Um, but like, yeah, that masturbation sequence seemed like a new sequence to me, um, and it's funny. It oh was. And then his look and his energy when he get when um, Greenwald busts in and he's like, <gasps> and just like and then just has the palm frond on his dick and then it's just like oh it's and then he gets asked for time mantra. like I need ten minutes or L and then talks about like if I don't if I don't do the mantra I get really cranky <laughs> and like those kind of jokes were so fucking funny because yeah now it's like. That and I mean, and it, I, yeah, and he says no to sex. Like she wants, she, sure, she, yeah, and then he very he says no. Yeah, I mean, you find out at the end for the most part, except for Matt. She's, she's not a virgin at the end because of him. So I, I guess. Oh that, yeah, that, right. Someone some <laughs> some yeah, some some yeah, yeah, he said at first he's like, no, it's against his religion. Um, yeah, he's a what a child of the light. 
Is that what they call uh, themselves? Something like that. Yeah. And uh, a Buddhist or something. Yeah, that's essentially what what it was. And yeah, um, <laughs> yeah and then just cut straight to like a shadow of him. <laughs> yeah, just like in that motion. Yeah. Aggressively, too. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and like that's that's in the Ace Ventura movie, a movie that yeah is like very child friendly. But even you know, I remember the first movie. Like, there's uh, a scene of like essentially a montage between him and Courtney Cox, just like uh-huh, sure. getting on, like getting a, on, yeah. all like all night long, all night, all night. And uh, so, I, it's it's stuff like that where you start to make the checklist of like, That's I okay. guess I guess as like a sequel goes, as a movie goer, as a critic, as like what are they doing different to earn the sequel or are they just repeating the same gags that they did from the first one? And yeah, like it's hard for me not to come in with these rose colored glasses about it all and everything. But I thought, you know, it's just his weird lines that were already weird in the first one. He's just doing again. That's just who he is as Ace Ventura. He's going to say all righty then he's going to say all these things. And I know it must just hit that that light, the the trigger for for critics and stuff at this time. Absolutely, kind of like yeah. Oh, they're just retreading. They're the retreading the same shit. They're not doing anything different. Yeah, yeah and it's the same thing, but it's just I I don't know. It's it is one of those things too where it's like enough time goes on, like between both of those movies, that it starts to coalesce. Like you almost. You were just talking about the Adele album that just came out. You know, it's like the album's not out yet. She was doing promotion for the new music that she's doing. Yeah, new music where it's you know, it's not. I haven't listened to too much of it, but it's not vastly different than her old stuff. But it's like it's been long enough where it's like, like, oh, we're ready for it now. And I don't know if this is such a weird comparison, but I don't know if they were ready for New Ace Ventura. It was just like it's too soon after the last one. We're not ready for for another Ace Ventura. We're kind of oh, maybe Jim Carrey's on like every single movie at that point. And they're just kind of like, yeah. oh, God, another another thing like this. And I don't know. It's like it's definitely a I, cash grab. And that's the critiques that you would make at it from an art standpoint, because also too, yeah, visually, yeah. this movie is pretty trashy. It's very like f- function over form. There's nothing. In, oh, sure. There's nothing in this movie that you're like, oh, wow, that's such a um, that's such an interesting way to frame this, you know. But I mean, I will say that it does accomplish a lot of. Uh, from a camera work perspective, really comedic bits, comedic bits. Yeah. Because like, I think the way that in particular, something that comes to mind is um, the joke about the driving jokes like that, that takes, yeah, that takes so direction and um, visually you need to edit it in a way where you're in the car and he's acting this particular way. Then you realize that he's on a plain road and he's just being insane. Then there's also the going through the jungle and then like the way yeah. that it's like going in and out of the car. Uh-huh. And then also the flipping of it and like the slow motion mm-hmm. and the framing of, of like where the spot is and all of that stuff. And I the think, shadow puppets too even. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so that, that stuff's good. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly... For, like I, the cliffhanger stuff at the beginning. I mean, if we were to really talk about this, I don't. I don't think we really need to get. We into don't need to the, no. the plot of it. That's at fine. All. 
But I mean, since I'm just here, I would say that like Ace Ventura is a pet detective that experience <laughs> that I have first and foremost. <laughs> I mean, come on, I, I, I know I'm talking about retreading and nature uh, calls and, and nature calls. Uh, but Ace is uh, we we start off the movie. Ace is on a mission to rescue the animal cargo of a downed ship in like I don't know the Himalayas or some or some yeah. mountainous uh-huh. region and. Um, the only survivor of this plane crash was a raccoon and he goes to rescue the raccoon and in order to do that he has to uh like ferry it across a rope between a, a mountain chasm and then during that uh the buckle for the raccoon breaks and then we get this whole sequence of ace trying to save this raccoon from falling and he does it and it's like it was pretty fucked up for a kids movie to start off with just uh an animal clearly you know i guess they don't get into hit hitting the ground but like obviously the animal dies and so that's heavy um, which drives Ace to... But the reference is Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, yeah. Which, like, yeah, as a Which kid, is an adult you, reference. You like, just don't know what's going on, and it, and it's... Yeah, so maybe some of these these lines in the script were that referencing pop culture stuff. Weren't all Jim Carrey, maybe it was some of the script writing, too. Definitely and, and Steve Odenkirk. And that can play as, Definitely like, Steve like what's original about this? You guys are just making, like... Sure parodies of stuff that already exists which is within a sequel all the thumb movies he did yeah Yeah, all the yeah thumbtanic thumb work i mean even um if anybody hasn't heard kung pao is a retreading of all of these uh stereotypes of uh kung fu movies that came over to america like down to the dubbing of the voices all of it yeah and then it even has fucking lion king uh kung pao does in the middle of it like yeah steve odenkirk is just a guy who's like this stuff is really funny to me and i want to just do an even funnier like a purposely funny version of it yeah and um which and sometimes it's like a lot of times it's stupid it's very stupid well maybe all the time it's stupid and and and, and Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's not, but like it, it amazes me how much that stuff will still make me laugh. And I've watched Kung Pao uh, somewhat recently too, and it holds up for me. And I'm wondering how much some of these things are influenced by my passing when I watch this movie. Obviously, yeah. there, there's a there's a certain element to it, but like he is a legend, dude. He's just a Jim Carrey is a legend, and yeah. and when you look at his his movies, it's Chaplin style uh, uh, physical humor to the and I'm I would go that far because it's just oh for sure he's someone that is in a league of his own, and the simulation comment that you made earlier just like really makes a lot of sense yeah. to me of like he is he has figured out this truth about himself, and he has decidedly. Uh, made it a point to express that to the world and that means a lot to him and for some people when you watch certain actors maybe like an an Anne Hathaway or something where Mm -hmm. you're kind of like she really is like you know the top of her theater class and loves to act and wants to be on camera and she is really good and Mm -hmm. and I like her I, I like her and I like her acting a lot but there's sometimes where it's just like man she just loves being on camera so much and it's it's hard to be on her same level to be as excited about seeing her as she's excited about being on screen. And sometimes I feel that with Jim Carrey is not like his best turns. It's kind of just like, he's enjoying this more than I am. Yeah. (laughs) And and, and for this uh, one and for when it is affected, it's it's infectious. Yes. He's just like, you're just like, 
yes, like I'm on your level. Like I want to be on your level. I want to, I want to be about whatever this guy's about, or just like I'm signed on to, uh, his, his drama, his, what he needs to go through in this movie, the same, like a good Nicolas Cage movie. I don't know. There's yeah, like, there's right. Like Nicolas Cage movies where it's just like, oh, it's a depraved Nicolas Cage and watch him go through it is rough. But there's other, other times where it's like, that's just what the doctor ordered and it's great mm-hmm. to watch that, that sort of thing, um, which was also popular around this time. And just to see like, yeah, I don't know, like these, these like, white men that look like they should be clean cut and act normal and be normal people like yeah like Nicolas Cage maybe Jim Carrey is just like yeah just like fucking madman yeah (laughs) no because it's like and Adam Sandler and stuff and they just like fucking freak out and 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 they're not okay and yeah and And the reason why they hold such um cachet in our society is is that the you know it's like death of a salesman comedy I don't know (laughs) yeah because you're breaking getting too deep no, no, you're right where we need to be. Like, you, it's breaking through. Like, it's the whole concept of if I could act crazy, I probably would, but I don't because it isn't what people like. It, it doesn't fit, or it's not what I've been told to do, or, you know, I just it would bring to society would push back too hard on you and say like, no, you need to get in line. You need to be normal. And these people go, you know what? Fuck being normal. I want to be as insane as I possibly can be. And you just can vicariously live through them. And that's fun and interesting Mm -hmm. because you're like, yeah, I mean, if I acted like Ace Ventura and the nature calls, like, I don't know. You can't (laughs) work a normal job. (laughs) i don't know you can't do most things because everybody would be like uh no like you can't do that here you can't be that person you can't all of these things but the 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 concept of pet detective man i love that that that, those two words is just like and you give that to jim carrey Mm -hmm. at that time in his career of like hey jim carrey pet detective and and you just you can I can like imagine the fireworks going out though on that They're going like, off yeah. and is oh yeah I'm sure I wonder what like other if there was any other like casting ideas for for that part if, if that was or just like no we wrote it for Jim Carrey but um, that idea for 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 Pet Detective and and his and his take on it and and, and everything it's like ah. Uh, it's just it's just fun it's just like a fun amazing fun, yeah it's just a fun fun idea but the way that the way that he uh interprets it um i don't know what my overall point was besides just that 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 a pentatex is a fun job it's a fun it's a fun it's a fun job yeah no you were saying i'm sorry i'm I'm just that's not a normal job you're pregating for this concert yeah that's not a normal job it's It's not a normal normal person yeah it's like so if you're going to go to your job you know you can't act that way but if you're it's not like if you're a pet detective the accountant you know (laughs) but if you're a pet detective there's no like described yeah. way of being a pet detective so maybe this is how you be you act as a pet detective right <laughs> and I, I i'm gonna just posit that that is where uh, from a critical standpoint you would start to tear this movie up is that in the original movie 
him being a pet detective is that is a silly job and the expectations for being normal are low. So it allows him to just be very unnormal. He's like the fringe of society. The fringe of society. He can be a fucking wacko Mm -hmm. because the reason I'm calling him is because my dog, I think, got stolen as opposed to just ran away or done, you know, what a normal animal might do. Um, so I'm going to hire this specific person to do this. And so I'm already willing to put up with whatever because I've already committed to hiring a person like him. And this is like very much in the Matrix Reloaded vein of sequels where, I mean, I would almost say all, all sequels, right? Is that you go, okay. What was the most commercially successful, like, and I mean, what I mean is like, what is the most generally liked things about this? How do we ratchet it up? And the talking out of your butt, the (laughs) moving weirdly, the like that kind of shit. They didn't overdo it though. I think, you know, sorry, continue. I mean, debatably. One would argue. He only talked out of his butt once and it was a it was a good he did all the greatest hits and it's like yeah i I guess you just be like oh what's new with ace ventura but it's like no he's gonna talk out of his butt he's gonna do the thing where he's like he like does a huge long speech he did that once you know uh but people see that you're kind of like oh you're doing the retreading sort of thing but it is that sort of like relative to how how soon you saw it prior to the last one which by the way ace ventura one has like a rotten, technically rotten score across the board. It's like very middling between both. And this one actually has a positive score for audience. Which Which says a lot. And it says a lot about Steve Odenkirk, mainly. But then it it also obviously says a lot about um, Jim Carrey, right? Is that we've already talked about it, but... I think the combination of Steve Odenkirk allowing Jim Carrey to be completely unhinged and do whatever he wants made him vivacious as opposed to I, I, I Jim Carrey must be or seemingly is a very fickle person where if he doesn't want to do something, then he's going to be a son of a bitch about doing it. Mm-hmm. So in that situation where you're doing a retreading, that could have been like a studio coming in and being like, Hey, Jim, we really need you to do more of this thing everybody loves. And then that, I think, would, like, constrict him and suck the soul out of him. But I think working with Steve Odenkirk, he's like, I want you to be as silly as fucking possible because I love that. Yeah, I want that so much. And that's why I'm making movies. Mm -hmm. That's why I write movies like all. And Steve wrote this as well. Um, Um, Yeah, like. And there's a lot of sequels where they'll take that same person and put them in a new environment. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sequels that will be like, oh, well, you like that? Well, let's put it in Europe because I don't really in Europe know. or the Bahamas. Yeah. Oh, hey, I mean, well, now you're. I'm thinking of Ocean's 12 for Europe and I'm thinking Weekend at Bernie's 2 yeah. for, I don't know, it was Bahamas. Bahamas or something like that. But that, yeah, Caribbean, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, man. I just want to do a whole series on sequels. We've already done sequels, like various sequels, but it's just like, there's some, it, it it's rife for polar polarization because <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it's people, a lot of people show up for that event. Just like, like a, they're bought in is what you would say. It's like, yeah, they've already bought into the concept of like, 
whatever you're pitching because they love the first one mm-hmm. or they even if they don't love it they understand what it's going to be and to the detriment of hollywood in general is that there's so much of like people are already bought into this ip so at a bare minimum it's going to be xyz successful yeah i might as well see i might as well see i might as well I'm like saying. i i have a general idea of what i'm going to get out of this and i'm okay with it because the alternative is spending 60 bucks to go with your girlfriend, your family, whatever, and then maybe not like the movie at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least if it's, you a, know if it's a comedy. Fuck those people. Because, like, so what if you don't like about it? Then talk about not liking something with people you love. Plenty of people do it on the fucking internet all the time. Like, why not go? Okay, so what if it was a piece of shit? Talk about how much of a piece of shit it was. I that comes easier to some people than others. I think. Like, oh, I, sure. I, I have I walked out of a movie because it was bad. I don't think I. I've, I don't think I. Well, yeah, we talked about this. I would have Cloverfield because, being one of them. Yeah, I was delusion disillusioned at that at that moment in time. But if I was not in a situation where I was with other people, I would have walked out of disaster movie because I oh, sure. I didn't even want to go to that movie originally. But then I got dragged into it, and it was at, it was, was worse bad. than I expected it. Yeah, I and out I remember movie. walking out of disaster movie. I was with I was in high school. I was with my girlfriend at the time and her mother, um, and uh, we walked out of the theater. We watched the whole movie. We went to the front. She was like, oh, this was terrible. We all agreed it was a fucking terrible movie. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I knew it was. I told you guys this was going to be bad. We walked to the guest services and we're like, hey, this was a really bad movie. Can we get a money back? Yeah. And we watched the whole thing. Yeah. And they're, they're like, like, yeah. And they were like, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And they told her like, yeah, we heard that it was really bad. Come back and see us again for a different movie. Yeah. Even after seeing it. But anyways, I, I just think my point stands what I was going to say earlier. What I did say earlier was that it takes a lot of energy to hate something and it takes a, it takes a lot of willpower to actively be like no i actively that made me upset not only did could i write that off as like a bad movie experience or just kind of like a whatever sort of like eh, i at least i got to go out and eat some popcorn and have a night out and right. whatever it's like no i'm actually kind of upset <laughs> yeah like, i wasted my time there's very yeah. few things that i can think of and honestly like love guru and don't mess with the zohan sure. were like oh. around that time yeah where like i was i loved anchorman and and, right. and that sort of thing and and i remember like that year of like i love going to see comedies with friends and laughing really hard in a big movie theater with a lot of people and being in that situation they were just scant laugh breaks in some of those movies and that's a very not good place to be in for a comedy um yeah but i've watched this movie with, i've watched ace ventura to get back to ace ventura yeah i've watched ace ventura with with people i've watched jim carrey movies with people and it could be ace ventura one or two or it could be dumb and dumber two and you're dumb like and dumber or you're you know oh, the, oh they did dumb and dumber yeah, i didn't even and then they did dumb, dumb and dumber and, yeah. two with a t-o-o yeah. with jeff daniels and jim carrey kids right i didn't finish it because yeah, it's like it sucks. it's upsetting when those things don't hit it's like upsetting because neither one of them had the, yeah and studios i'm sure don't want to risk that because it's an upsetting experience 
For sure. And but it, see that to me, Dumb and Dumber Two, because I remember not finishing that as well, is that is a good example of where it seems like Jeff Daniels, which he is a really interesting um person. I don't know if you're familiar with his life. Like no. um so Jeff Daniels made a point of he got this fame doing um Dumb and Dumber. And then made it a point that he was not going to raise his kids in Hollywood and then moved to like Michigan or something like that. Oh, wow. And then has just been in Michigan for like 20 years and then will pop up in like a TV show or a movie here and there. But it's like totally up to him if he's going to be in it because he couldn't give a shit less if he's in it like in something that's popular. It just needs to be something he's interested in. Wow. And so... Like Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber Two, mm-hmm. like there is such an overwhelming sense of like. I think conceptually they were interested in getting back together and yeah. playing on screen together. Yeah. But then it must have just been the production process where it just kind of sucked the soul. Well, was, it, was it the Farrelly brothers as well? Was that who did that movie? No. Did, did they do the second one? They did the first one. I thought that was a part of it, maybe too. They got everyone back together. But oh, the, the uh, Fairly Brothers. I, there's some of their latter movies too, are kind of uh, yeah, rough. Like yeah, super fucking. Rough. I mean, you see where those sensibilities, and maybe I'm going on taking your point away, but like those no, some no, of those no. kind of sensibilities of that time start to strain a bit. Mm. Where it's like, yeah, mm. the Fairly Brothers making a movie now, it's just not gonna hit in the same way and you got to find that like different sensibility it comes off as being like sexist and racist <laughs> yeah oh, it's like or offensive, or, like, offensive. just offensive for the sake of being offensive and you're like offensive this is for uh conjoined twins oh i do kind so of that like was stuck on you right but yeah i'm into that movie it's not it, obviously not a pervy movie and it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty boring at times because it gets so much into like the like but that's such a part of it um but yeah it's just one of those things like i I think there's this snl uh brand of humor going on that we're like everyone says wherever snl hit hit its peak it doesn't really matter i'm just saying like snl hit at a point where it's in the zeitgeist where it's like so well known and all the actors from it where it's it's just it's just known so any of the characters that come from it will go to movies and 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 they'll do their thing but within that are bits that will last a movie and mm-hmm. bits that are bits for a sketch. And you got the success of Wayne's World and you got, mm-hmm. and this is maybe this is going weird and a weird point for Ace Ventura, but you got the success of like Wayne's World and as a movie as like a proof of concept of like you can take this bit of a sketch and make it a full blown movie with a story and everything all right and i keep going back to mike myers because it just it reminds me of that yeah, he did of, a lot that, of that, that kind yeah. of thing of like he wrote stuff on snl character and yeah. we're going to just create dana carvey's a movie, movie that yeah. is a series of bits with this character and then just like a loosely written story that can prop up these bits yeah like dana carvey even like master of disguise, master kind of 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 disguise like, yeah that's yeah. a an excuse to do a series of bits because he that's can, like one or two jokes yeah and then you're like, now it's an hour and 30 minute movie. And it just mm-hmm. like 60 to 70% of that doesn't land. And then, yeah, the movie could have been a short on YouTube and would have been more successful. But again, that wasn't an old luxury that people really but had. That, but that's time. like a fair structure to, I would like, that's what people were doing as like a that's comedy movie. It's like, yeah. hey, like 
do Coneheads, we'll do Wayne's World, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do these SNL bits as long form things. And then, and as Andy McKay, McKay, where, where uh, did Adam he, McKay, Adam McKay did mm-hmm. Anchorman, and now he's doing these political satires and, yeah. and everything too. Um, well, which, and then he's doing a new one, right? With a bunch of awesome, it's like yeah, Leonardo, it's like about a meteor, uh, Jennifer the, Lawrence, the Earth. Yeah. and he's been doing more like ensemble pieces about like yeah, very satirical about real life stuff, real life shit, yeah. um, which is what Anchorman is. Uh, fundamentally, it's like it, it, just taking the local was, news channel was, and then making it like is because I mean, but I was John, trying to decipher that Lord. between like that's a movie about Ron Berg. It's the Ron Burgundy story. Here's a funny character we're going to tell the story about. Is like the deciphering point i guess i was trying to make between between that of, mm. of like there is these movies of like there is a funny character or a funny bit or a funny sketch and we're going to create a whole movie or movie around it and that's not what like vice or the any of those movies are there those no. are more like ensemble Baseball pieces usually. about a message or a satirical sort of you also did the big short view yeah big short about a, a concept a situation that characters take part in rather than like a central character that is experiencing the world around them and when you get to that it's like yeah it's like you're experiencing it's so those are the funniest bits of like these characters of like and this is i'm sorry i'm so going on such a long point but like no, go for it. these crazy bonkers characters that experience the world around them and then you see these actual straight people look at them and be like, who the, the fuck, fuck is this? Yeah. Who is this those are some of the funniest moments. In, in those, exactly. Yeah, right. In, in like, in, and that's right. why the sequel is kind of like, it doesn't work sometimes because people are like, oh, look, it's this guy. We're so used to this guy. Can no, you it's believe like, this shit? Like yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Who is this person? Yeah. It's like, oh no, we saw a whole movie about this before. So it's like, that's so like yeah. oh we if they have th- those reactions are so good but it's not the same to the audience because it's like no we saw a whole movie about this we already know who this person is it's not that shock value is not going to have the same same mm. effect um but i have to take one more bathroom break yeah, uh and i i shall return we'll we'll be right back thank you <laughs> all right and we're back. back uh yeah we were uh we were just talking about our favorite bits before we get into this. Yes. Uh, our our uh, final stretch of the podcast. Yeah. Um, because we realized we didn't really talk a lot about specifics about this movie because it just like we know it about like the back of our hand. Like it's a it's a part of us. Yeah. We, we would do a disservice if we didn't at least like bring up some of our favorite stuff. Like, and you know, like you get introduced by to Ace Ventura by the slinky. Bit, the slinky. Like, I mean, like I it's a little bit at, like you get introduced of him hanging out with animals and and um and doing his meditation but to go on his adventure he he throws his slinky down this the biggest set of stairs in the world and it's the funniest thing as a child you're just like i wonder how many slinkies were sold after that after that scene one to me yeah you mentioned you're like i got a slinky. i got a slinky because of this yeah, yeah. first thing i did you're gonna go find stairs was uh i grew up in a two-story house and did the slinky Immediately. Um, Everybody my, loves a slinky. My favorite bit is the bumblebee tuna and <laughs> all of the, like, everything that kind of, and then the uh, Chicago. <laughs> oh, you're out. Get out of here. And then the chief of the village has to, like, walk out. 
that bit is so fucking <laughs> funny to me because yeah it's just like it's silly wordplay which is you know something that we talked about is especially as a kid really loving it like it's just a ad- grown adult man saying funny shit with his mouth and like i still do that as a grown man like i do it all the time oh yeah and then most people feels good. yeah it feels good it's like it's part of my comedy of just <laughs> like yeah doing silly stuff with your mouth and with words um yeah i would say probably the bumblebee tuna co-opted into the uh chicago uh bit is my favorite followed by the um the rhino the rhino is something that is honestly how people remember this movie if they haven't seen it in long enough they'll Mm. they'll remember the rhino bit at least like when i was when i was a child i would look forward to the scene so much yeah because you just don't see the movie often enough or you don't have the option to see it or it's not available enough or you, you like throw it on on cable and you're like okay I'm not going to walk away during the rhino or the rhino rhino spot yeah. is coming up soon. Okay. Commercial break. Okay. I'm going to go run, take care of what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Rhino, rhino part is coming. We know it's coming. And they would almost like structure commercials in a way to like set you up for success sure. to see this scene. I feel like, um, I'm not, I, do I need to explain it? I don't know, but it's no. just, it's, it's a masterful thing of visual comedy that perfectly expresses how great of a pairing Steve Odekirk and Jim Carrey are for this movie because it, it is a, it requires an actor who is gifted in physical comedy to pull off this scene. And they, I, by the second one, they're almost like we have Jim Carrey, we can do whatever, whatever the fuck we want. Right. As far as like physical comedy goes, like let's have him crawl out of a rhino's Mm -hmm. asshole. Mm -hmm. And and have a family think that he's it's giving birth. It's so stupid. Yeah, but and that's so, actually written but stuff. So right? funny. It's it's you very have to written. make you have it's to make the rhino. Written. There's an expositional yeah. reason for that to exist. It is, and there's a the easier way to do it. I was almost thinking today. I was like, yeah, you could be on a tour guide, or you could be on a tour group wearing a mustache, sitting in the background of that scene, and it would accomplish exactly the same thing uh-huh. story wise that that scene needs to accomplish. Right. But they go the most roundabout way to do it and put him in a rhino to see this like inter- exchange between the the guy with the raven's feather and the the ultimate the bad guy of yeah the the, the main villain the, and wild park or whatever they spend like a little bit on that but then they spend a lot of time on him crawling out of the ass of a of a, yes. of a robotic rhino that is just comically structured engineered. Yeah. And when it malfunctions, it like shoots oil in his face. And Jim Carrey's even hand acting, getting out of the rubber uh yeah. rhino butthole. Like, yeah, the double hands with the, the elbow. And then like when he pulls them back in really quick, it makes like a fluctuation of the rubber butthole. Yeah. That's really funny. And then uh, a face that I'll never forget is the father. It just fathers are so funny to me now, growing older. Oh, yeah, for the sure. father's face of seeing that of like, oh man, I that starts with like him and his, him and the mother of like, we're gonna like show our, our kids like no. this wholesome, great like uh, fact of life of birth, and they get to learn this in a, in the most natural way, and it's like the most scarring experience of their life is it's just funny as a child too. It's just. It's amazing how universal that is, given how dumb mm-hmm. and it is, but also how much work they put into it. 
And I think that goes a long way. It's like if it's a stupid bit, but you put a lot of work into it. Yeah. <laughs> it can go you a long sell way. The shit it, yeah, it. you commit. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I think that really is a perfect representation of this movie in a weird way where it's a, the director giving Jim Carrey the perfect stage to do uh, sure. the biggest extension of what Ace Ventura is is capable of. And within Ace Ventura's mind, he's going to get into the the body of a robotic rhino to uncover this mystery. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so funny. And and if we haven't explained this already, like I like this movie better than the first one. I'll and maybe I'll express that again in my review, but I like this movie better than better than the first one. It has funnier bits. And the yeah, I the the villain the villain is great and it and it's more it's more just centrally located around um animals uh and you know with the 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 tribes people it um it is concerned with with people that are in touch with the earth in a way that ace ventura isn't Uh and not only are the civilized people looking at ace ventura weird also, the quote-unquote uncivilized people are also treating them yeah, weird. Yeah. They're also like, who the fuck is this guy? Everyone is like, who is this guy? <laughs> he is so weird. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, I would be down to go into reviews yep. if you if you care to do for that. I yep. will rem- remind everyone what the Rotten Tomatoes reviews are. It's a 25% critics, 72% uh, audience. Um, and... Uh, we will start with uh, critics reviews. We'll do top critics from Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I, like I, I like to express, like the point of this exercise, kind of is how an average moviegoer would go through trying to find a movie to watch. They would check out Rotten Tomatoes. They would look at the score. They would look at top critics reviews. Even this, like, I don't even really do this for a lot of review, like a lot of movies I'm deciding to watch is like actually look at the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes of like what people are actually saying about it. But from a casual yeah. uh, moviegoer, uh, it is a little misleading because the critics reviews only have 28 reviews from critics. Um, and I will I will start with New York Times. Janet Maslin, May 20th, 2003. If the movie itself aimed higher, it could have drawn laughs without compromising Ace's an- anarchic sense of fun. But Ace is slightly nastier this time. Huh. Huh. Nastier. I mean, it, the Monopoly guy scene is intense. He grabs a, a small uh, rich gentleman and throws him over his neck like a... Who's a total asshole to him. a total him. asshole. Yeah, it's justified in that in simplest terms. Like it's yeah, that's yeah, that is really a poor characterization of his attitude because he is very clear in the very beginning of this movie that he cares because he like talks about you know he has that conversation from a mountain to a helicopter with the helicopter driver and makes the point of like <laughs> I if I were you I would still do this because. I want to save the animals that are in peril. And there is a point of like humans suck and animals are better. Mm-hmm. And that totally makes sense for somebody of his attitude 
because he isn't somebody that fits well with other normal people. He fits more so with outsiders, with animals who are just, yeah, don't, obviously don't, like, they're not going to critique his, <laughs> you know, they're not going to critique anything, they're animals. But, like, yeah, <laughs> like, I just, it, that all makes sense is the point that I'm making. So, I don't know, like, he doesn't seem that mean to, to people really because the people that he cares about are the monks mostly human beings that he cares about and he's like really nice to them and he really and he also really values their opinion there's a part of the movie where he transcends into an uh, ethereal being and communicates with his like um teacher uh, but like really seeks his guidance and respects his opinion and like does lo- love those people. It is funny too when they're leaving because they don't like him at all and he has to go through yeah. that whole thing where he's like, I've never seen them do that before because they're just having this like, you know, such a funny bit as well. You know, I, I brought it up earlier where Ace is, um, he goes through the trauma of losing the raccoon and then he goes to a, um, a Buddhist temple uh, to try to find himself and apparently you know it seems like he's there for a couple years and he's pulled out of that because there's a mission that he needs to go on I mean I know we haven't really talked about the plot of it but um yeah like he respects those people and he does care about people. It's from a place of love, this movie love. Yeah. And everybody, every human being that he's mean to is presented in a way where they're like, yeah, these people don't give a shit about animals or they don't even give a shit about other human beings. They're just self-centered pieces of shit. He is an intense person. And I think that can come off uh, a variety of ways uh, to people. And I think with modern sensibilities, um, with how they portray uh, the the tribes and and the people within them, um, people may take issue with. But and I'm not even I. The only thing I would say to that is again, like Ace Ventura is directly expressed as the odd man out in this movie, and and, <laughs> yes. and I think it's done well enough. Without where a doubt, it's not casting any sort of shade on anyone else that isn't purposely expressed to be directed at like the villain mm-hmm. who is like the col- the colonizer of of these tribes and is like an over asshole and and he has this moral center where he, where he's in these situations that he will treat these people like absolute shit that are treating the things that he cares about like absolute shit exactly and he does it in a comedic honestly satirical way and even the funniest thing about this movie is satire is that this is a movie about a pet detective who takes care of animals. And the one thing that he has to take care of is a bat, which is the one animal he is terrified of is this white kind of albino bat. Mm. And it's, it's, it's just good, good humor, man. It's good. It's good stuff. It's, it's like, Especially for a sequel where you know it's like, oh, here's this pet detective. He cares about animals. Let's give him an Indiana Jones sort of trait where it's like Indiana Jones How do we is, make this is the bravest yeah. thing, bravest individual ever. Let's give him a fault. Like, what's his fault going to be? What's his trait that's going to like bring him to be a human? And 
that fear of bats like it really humanizes him because you're like who the fuck is this guy like you can't relate to him at all on on a natural sense yeah and not only is that funny in a satirical very ironic sort of way of like oh he's actually scared of an animal but um it continues to provide humor throughout the throughout the movie uh yeah in a way that i think is is effective that they don't uh lay into too much i i think i think it's good and i never even mentioned my favorite bit um and it's hard to pick but i think the one that i like to say the most that feels good is nonsense poopy pain yeah, for sure um because it's a it's a line that doesn't necessarily rhyme it just kind of like depends on how you say it. say it it's like you do it in the right rhythmic tone nonsense poopy pants it's like on the s it's on the s like nonsense poopy pants yeah it, it's like an a and nonsense an poopy pants yeah it's so good it's so good that i like was that written like no i really want to know absolutely not i don't think so no for sure not and and another like no there's no way just another like jim carreyism that like it's worth it to have this difficult such person in this in this situation. Too. Poopy pants. Oh, like, my that's goodness. such a oh my good goodness. kids joke. Oh my goodness! Like, yeah, I mean, kids kind of say that stuff already, but yeah. for an adult to say that in a movie, it just makes it so much more funny. Because yeah, like I don't yeah. I have, one thing I will say because you kind of are like talking about this movie. One thing now watching this as a 31 year old that and in 2021 that actually holds up really well that I think most movies like in the same vein don't is that Ace treats all of the tribesmen well. He like jokes with them for sure, but he treats them well. Like there's there there isn't a sense that he's coming in and he thinks lesser of this culture at all. Right. And he thinks lesser of the rich white people. Exactly. He thinks lesser of yeah, yeah, for sure. And he's way more obstructive, yeah. Way more obstructive, thinks all of the, you know, putting um taxidermied heads on the wall, uh flaunting your wealth, wearing um a fox skin, looking like a monopoly guy, like he and then also just kind of fucking with all of like there's seriously after he does the really great bit of he's got the asparagus in his mouth and the tomatoes <laughs> in his eyes, he like walks away from that and then just like I noticed this this time, like, yeah. fucks with people's yeah. plants that are just, like, in the background. He's just like, fuck you, fuck you, and just, like, really wrecks havoc on them. And, like, that honestly ages really well because it's, it's so like, fun. fuck colonialism, fuck these people that are in, uh, like, because the, the, the part of the plot is, is that the villain is essentially the steward of a province in africa which is totally based on the colonialism and what he's doing which is emblematic of things that have happened in history is is that in that position that he's been given he is exploiting the resources of that area for his own financial gain so like fuck that dude (laughs) and that's a that's it still ages well that's the villain and then it ages well that he is 
respectful for the like uh, it's kind of a loose term because he's also a complete maniac but like there like uh, an example i would give is that you know when he's sitting and he's got the zucchini fingers and he's like <laughs> guano and having that moment of like mm, this guano paste and then finds out that it's uh um that shit um just like him uh <laughs> he's still like sitting there like participating in the, the event and he's not being rude to anybody he's just being himself but still being relatively respectful for that and yeah like that's that's great like i don't know and oh and, uh, one last thing that i would say is is that so uh, part of the plot is is that he has to go to there's the Wachitis and the Wachutus. I think is how it works out name wise. I'm sorry if I'm butchering it, but um, I think that's right. He by the Wachutus are he's labeled the White Devil, yeah. and so White Savior is a Quinsu Orcha, <laughs> Quinsu Orcha, yeah. Oh, that whole that uh, we haven't even talked about is like um, the like try uh, you know kind of the the go between that ends up uh being his like partner for a little bit that guy's amazing um, yeah another very like straight man that can like but handle also, his, cre- his like yeah bombacity but uh still reciprocate kindness and love mm-hmm. and and uh not be like what the fuck is wrong with you just be more like right. oh you're interesting okay <laughs> like Let's move I on. don't understand your culture. This could be how yeah, certain people yeah. are like in your, yeah, for sure. But um, in that, when he goes to do this and it's a really great scene of him uh, like trying to gain status in this opposing tribe to the tribe that he's like kind of hired for. And they call him the white devil. And that's really ages well, in my opinion as well, because um, something that's come up a lot for Dune is that uh, criticisms that people have about Dune, which is uh, people who actually read the book and understand the full story will say that you're off base and you're doing this internet culture thing where you just are taking these things and don't understand context and don't care. It's more important for you to just say that this is fucked up and bullshit and I hate it. Um, but white uh white savior narrative is something that's uh, that i've been hearing a lot oh, about man. lately where a lot of predominant cultural god i knew that was gonna come up man i didn't i haven't heard it yet until you just said it to me mm-hmm. but even watching that movie i was like man if yeah it's a white dude that gonna, comes into a middle eastern this, society someone's gonna then, take this read on it yeah, yeah and it's gonna take that read on it but they don't understand where the books come from and don't understand that frank herbert and the dune situation is is that actually so what happens is, is in the, the subsequent book is you realize that he he like isn't the savior and he has to grapple with that and then has to like it it posits it at first, but then it is a diversion for you to then find out that that's not the case, and that he's actually doing a lot of harm. And the point of the story is is that a Western culture comes into an uncivilized culture like Arrakis and go, how do we fix this culture? Because they don't they they obviously haven't progressed. Uh, far enough or accumulated as much wealth because that's what matters uh, which is bullshit Um, and then but then the story goes of like he actually realizes that that's not 
that's not what's happening and that's not what he's doing and he's actually all of this has been we shouldn't get into full we're not gonna get into i'm sorry we're getting okay i'm getting into i'm sorry i love the dune movie i'm not reading <laughs> or listening to the audio i would love to talk to you about dune messiah yeah love but anyway so and i uh, the point i'm making though is is that i think that age as well that they make the comment that he's it's actually cult, the, the cult white first, devil the and he's not he isn't helping really he isn't saving them and the way that it nets out at the end of the movie is is that he's still chased away like he doesn't he doesn't really fix anything he definitely helps facilitate a better outcome for them but they're still an active participant in that like they're the ones that are saying you know what it is more beneficial for our tribes to be together fuck this white colonial dude who wants us to be at war with each other because really all he wants is the guano which for some reason has a lot of value they just oh, like yeah. totally skim past that and go yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah he needs the guano because it's like a resource and you're like what are we using a fuck little bad shit for like <laughs> nothing but anyways like it just like is like oh this guy is evil enough to just profiteer off of off of a resource like yeah i mean it just i guess it's more easy for this is the most i've ever thought about the story at this moment right now (laughs) totally and i mean that's i mean watching this movie again at this age like that's what it did for me is that you just realize like okay i know i asked you i was like wait what is the what is the villain's job is what i asked yeah what what does he do because like i know he's a bad guy and i know he's like and that's my like a naive mind that just doesn't understand what is happening because i'm so enraptured by ace man i'm just like so enraptured sure. by what totally. what he's doing Me it's too. just like oh yeah but um yeah, i just don't yeah now a lot of it it just has to do with the culture of it is and aging as well as like now i just think about these things in the context of it and like sometimes it's just not even worth it like in the context of this i am though making the point that this age as well because the fundamental morality of this movie is solid it is a about a outsider coming into a relatively outside of normal culture mm-hmm. helping them respecting them for the most part yeah i'm sure you know maybe we get emails and comments about it or whatever people listen to this eventually and go like actually he's pretty like maybe pious or his lack of understanding because that's uh, i'm now i'm gonna go down this whole like weird uh societal he's an imbecile he's an imbecile like, that, that's the thing is like, like what, that's that's my what read. harm is he that's my read yeah. is like he's a true like dumbass imbecile that's trying to solve the problem but like he's so fucked up in his own mind yeah. that like the comedy of errors that he goes on is the funny part. It's like you're not championing him as like the the resolution. He's not a leader for anybody. He's just like, a, savior, no. He could still very well be the white fucking devil. Like it's it, it is. He, what it is sure, he can but, fuck things up for yeah, sure. But it's just like funny he, to watch him go through yeah. th- this whole this whole process. And I realize the optics of it could be problematic and, and everything but like it's just a it's a it's a fun fish out of water yeah. for him to go on and that's where the joy comes in and in the same way that he's perplexed by everyone else everyone everyone he's perplexed by everyone yeah. everyone is per- I mean, everyone is perplexed by, by him as well and and it's for sure. it's reciprocated back and forth and when you have that kind of 
perfect like mixture of everything of like he's with the villain and he's like what the fuck is your problem and they're like what the fuck is your problem <laughs> there's and a lot then, of that, and then yeah. he's with like people who are his friendlies are also kind of like what is this guy's deal and he's kind of just like what are your what is your deal i'm going to do my own thing like it all tracks everything tracks and i i, I think mm-hmm. that's where like the pacing is effective and the where the jim carrey yeah. influence is ultra effective because otherwise this movie would have been bland it would have just been bland if and when they had a different ace ventura if and when they had a sequel to i don't know these are too many hypotheticals but he makes it man and and this is another one-uppance of him as a character but the situations preserve him and also push forward his uh hu- humor and yeah, uh sure. to the point where i think my other criticism might be like a fist fight with an alligator but it's one of those things <laughs> so fucking pointless it's one of those things where it's just like had on a hat. i bet that that's in the trailer i don't i haven't watched the trailer but yeah. it's just like oh he he fights an alligator or a crocodile in this one and right. and um and that's a part of this movie like you better watch it because he's in africa where a bunch of animals are um brandon i'm gonna be very embarrassing right now i'm gonna ask for one more bathroom break and then we are truly getting getting into the end of this podcast yeah that sounds good All right, we're back. Uh, we distracted ourselves from critic uh, reviews because once you start to read these reviews, it starts to remind you of your true feelings of the movie. Um, I think that's where I detract from giving critics too much credit is where um, I feel like it robs me of my own personal opinion. Whereas sometimes it... Uh, it adds to it and helps me coalesce my own opinion and and figure out how I feel about it because I'm like, well, either I do agree with what you say or like, no, I don't agree with that. Um, But that's where I got to give more credit because it's, it helps me uh, decide yes or no to uh, someone else's perspective on, on something for sure, which is the purpose of a critic. I mean, that's, that, that's, the, yeah. that's the purpose is like, um, think about is, it like this. if you subscribe to a critic's point of view, uh, then that's, that's, that's up to you whether you want to agree or disagree. Cause there's like people that I subscribe to listen to, even if I completely disagree with what they have to say, sometimes, sure. sometimes it helps me. Again, like figure out how I feel about something. That being said, we are going to wrap this up. Uh, We got a couple more reviews from critics. We got Marjorie Baumgarten from Austin Chronicle. Carrie is really more clown than actor. And that's where the Jerry Lewis reflection comes in. Carrie is not just goony. He's beyond control. Like someone in need of serious sedation or at least some firm directorial guidance. Directorial guidance is is what she thinks she needs. He needs. Um, And I think the directorial choice was one of the strongest aspects of of this movie. Yep. Um, I agree. We're going to do just one more, I think, of, uh, of critics because there's, there's not too many. Um, USA Today, 
Susan Wolosinsha. There's so little to watch besides Carrie. In fact, it makes you actually miss, parentheses, gasp, Sean Young from Ace One. Hmm. What? I actually, oh, I actually am not sure if I fully get that. That seems like a January 1st, 2000 reference that I'm not fully subscribing to. I know who Sean Young is, but what is Ace One? I don't know. Um, this is, uh, this is the problematic aspect of, uh, Rotten Tomatoes reviews is like some, I don't know. I'm looking at some of these critics reviews and they're kind of all over the place as far as like where they come from and, uh, what publication they're, they're, uh, they're from David Nasser, real film, film reviews, a surprisingly awful sequel, 1.5 out of four. Um, yeah, there's a. There's a lot of hate for this movie. There, oh, there's an, there's a zero. Here's a zero from Ken Hankey, Mountain Express. That sounds like a a ski, <laughs> a ski catalog <laughs> that reviews movies as well. Asheville, North Carolina. Nothing wrong with that. From the man who would one day give us Kung Pao. Need I say more? No, you don't. He did not like Kung Pao. Zero out of five. We're gonna go to Amazon customer reviews. Um, five stars. Leah Brooks, titled, um, it's Ace Ventura. My girlfriend and I sit around and watch these movies on repeat and laugh harder every time. They're so quotable. And literally, that's there's, Ace, there's an Ace Ventura saying for every single one. Yeah. Just barely fit into the last parking spot at the theater. Like a glove. Boyfriend said something stupid. Well, all righty then. <laughs> See, this is this is the spirit of the movie. She yes. gets it. She she is referring to the quotable nature, and nonsense poopy pants is a perfectly equitable reaction to no. You could say no, or you could say nonsense poopy pants. Nonsense poopy pants. It feels better. Yeah. Um. This uh, next review is from Hillary My Two Cents, and it is titled My Two Cents. Oh, great! When nature calls. Is a very good ace answers guilty that's pleasure. <laughs> when nature calls ace, ace answers, ace that's answer. a, yeah, that's the tagline. Why wouldn't that, that not be the tag? That's such <laughs> yeah. a good tagline. Brandon just filled it in there. The great Brandon <laughs> yeah. he had it again. Um, when nature calls is a very good guilty pleasure, is what Hillary says. It is. It has For a sure. lot of hilarious moments and a, also a lot of moments from the first one. But that's okay because this character would do those things all the time. That's what I'm saying. Hillary, I agree. I won't get into it if it's fit for children because I'm a mother who believes in expression of art. Yep. And that includes film. This is by far on the top list of so bad they are good and really good. My final thoughts are this is definitely worth owning, if not for nothing. The party scene and the rhino scene. Yeah. Yeah. I spent quite a bit on this for Blu-ray and didn't bat an eye. Just buy it. Getting this on Blu-ray is a weird move. Um, I guess it's just you're gonna if you if you're gonna own it like would I you own it on anything else? You might as well get Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. that's just yeah. This is never going to be a movie where you're like, oh god, I really want this. The fidelity and the definition. I of was considering buying this, like doing it for the podcast. I was like, Getting, maybe I'll just buy this movie. Like I mean, that. that's there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like if I were presented with HD or 4K, it's like. 
I'll be totally okay with the HD. <laughs> the movie's not going to get better because it's in a 4K film. But what if there's extra features and there's like extra like of content uh, and there's oh, like sure, some sure. maybe some bloopers yeah. or some behind the scenes yeah. or like a commentary because okay. you've seen it 10 yeah. times already you know you never know uh, i'm gonna do one more because this this person seems kind of passionate and 18 people found this review helpful this comes from inspector gadget mm. titled bumblebee tuna yes if there was to be i'm gonna uh give me one second i uh need to see it better i need to look closer if there was to be just one pop culture character with franchise written all over it it would be ace ventura after the sleeper hit that was the original wow you you refer to it as a sleeper hit it is well, for sure it is because it's a very obs- i wasn't there for it so it, I, I don't know I was a, yeah for yeah. sure yeah ace is shipped off to africa via tibet to find the missing sacred animal yeah the himalayas yeah to find the missing sacred animal of the peaceful Wachati tribe it is supposed to be a wedding gift to the savage Wachutu tribe, yeah. marking the congreg- congregation of their people. Ace is the best there is, the only there is. Surely sending him to find the sacred bat, his most hated, hated creature, is the right thing to do, no matter how crazy he is. And how crazy indeed. This time around, Jim Carrey goes completely wild as Ace. Any trace of an actual human that we saw before is surrendered to complete insanity. You can tell that Carrie is having the time of his life yeah. just ad-libbing and winging, when winging it. You can almost hear director Steve Odekirk struggle to contain his laughter off camera. I think that was the case. He was, totally. Yeah, he was just laughing. There are even a few moments when Carrie himself almost cracks up. I prefer the sequel to the first for a few reasons. First of all, the production design is far superior. And the faux African jungle, actually South Carolina. Oh, no shit. Wow. And tribal village colors really come alive. The widescreen photography gives the film a more expansive look than Tom Shadyac's original. Plus, it has more animals, which I think is cool. There's a stampede. You got to love the all righty then meditation scene, too. Yeah. Oh. Got to get one of those out. Mm-hmm. Besides the animated show, a few episodes are featured on this DVD set. There you go, Brandon. Mm. There's been no more of Ace Ventura since, but don't rule him out. Carrie may be sick of being regarded as the guy who once made his anus talk, but I can only hope he'll do a third one day. It might happen. I would not be surprised, and it would go straight to like Amazon Prime, and it would be like Bill and Ted or right. Joe Dirt or something. Um, but... On that note, I'm going to give my review. Yep. I love this movie. This movie <laughs> defines my uh, humor um, in a lot of ways. I do like it more than the original uh, Inspector Gadget via Amazon made this point already as well. Um, I laugh every time. It's so funny. Um, I am a ha- happier person when I watch totally. it. Um, it is a rewatch movie for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it cannot be argued down for me as far as its importance, as far as uh, a comedy goes in, in, in my life. And for that reason, I will give it a 92. <laughs>
Yes. At 92% for Ace Ventura When Nature Calls, this movie, we watched it last night. The rocks. Like, beat to beat. I know, like, maybe, like, uh, near, like, the third act. Third I, I thought I was, like, kind of, like, starting to waver a bit as far as, like, um, it's starting to be a little story heavy. But God damn it, he brings me back. There's scenes where it's like, this would not be a great scene had not Jim Carrey been in it. And yeah. so it's like, I will have my reservations about, yeah, like I'm never going to have to work with Jim Carrey or anything. And it might be difficult, but this is like prime Jim Carrey. This is prime funny Jim Carrey. And he is doing God's work in, in this movie to provide a sequel that not only rivals the original, but digs a hole and buries it in it. A coffin of funny. He just he 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 uh, rises above and and nails it. Like he he takes those moments and 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 uh, capitalizes. Mm. I think rather than it being watered down or anything like that, I think he capitalizes. Is a uh, is my opinion. Um, Amazing. And I would rate it higher than the first, which uh, yeah. I don't know. I think that would be like in in the eighties of yeah, or of, high seventies for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. But that is that is my opinion. Brandon, take it away. Yeah. So um, there there are movies like this that do things that in that this movie does well, and that is. Uh, take the energy, expound upon it in a way that isn't too contrived. It comes off still relatively natural. Yeah, some parts I think are a little bit forced, but um, overall, this movie is funny. It is a great display of Jim Carrey humor. It also shows the, the... Real wonderful combination of the stupid silliness that Steve Odenkirk is about and the stupid silliness that Jim Carrey is about. I I do think that there are I if the plot was a little bit more not interesting but maybe a little bit more fleshed out, yeah. it could have been he was in funnier situations. So I'm not gonna give this in the ninety percent just because of that. Like I, I I do really think that there are funnier ways to you know um, write the scene with. I, I do think the rhino scene's hilarious, but there's a lot of like before that and after that are just a little bit phony or phoned in or whatever. I don't know. Just like I there's there are times that I get the sense of like this is he could have been in funnier situations. I don't know. I have this weird sense about it. Um, but overall, like it is so funny. So he's Jim Carrey is so incredibly charismatic. Like, I don't know. I just have a hard time really disliking a lot of this movie because it allows me to, because I, I get where a critic will come from where this movie is stupid. This movie can beat a dead horse, but I just, I know that there, and I've seen movies that are worse than this. And this is the best version of a really fucking stupid movie. And I am here for it. I We've talked about it. I wish 
to a degree that there was more of this. And that's tough because we've talked about like the disaster and all these spoof uh, movies that were made. And there are um, Adam Sandler movies that don't land well. Um, and so much of that is on Jim Carrey being who he is. So it's really hard to kind of say like, oh, how do we kind of do the same movie, but with somebody else? It's really difficult to do that. Um, but that is then that's I get to a degree why that doesn't happen as often anymore. But then that only builds in how great this movie is, because this movie exists and it nails a lot of that. And I enjoy still to this day watching this movie and i am somebody who rages so hard against nostalgia so i hope that i know we've talked about kind of our like life with this movie where this came out and how it's informed our um comedy but aside from nostalgia like watching this again it is just really fucking funny, man. Yeah. And yeah, maybe if there was a like a more of an Adam McKay sensibility to it, or just a little bit, if it was just a little bit smarter in the situations that it posits or puts the characters in, this could be even funnier. And it doesn't really roll it. It allows more so Jim uh, breathing room for Jim Carrey which then again makes this movie successful is like just giving him the playground to be in like yeah if we were if he was in more situations that made more specific sense to the plot or talked about maybe more the commentary of African culture or like got into those things that are deeper and can be really funny this movie doesn't uh, spend the time doing that that's where I wouldn't give it in the 90s. But what I will give it is that this is a funny movie. You should watch this movie. It should be so kind of like a little bit of a required reading, if you will. <laughs> but is it is it really pushing a lot of boundaries? Is it really... It is relatively definitive of the time that it came out in, which, again is why I'm going to skew high on this, but I would give this movie an 86%. Yeah. I think it, uh, it's worth the watch. It's funny. I think especially if you're, ha- you know, have some wine or beer or smoke a joint or take an edible, like, I feel like it would be hard-pressed for you to be like, this movie sucks. This movie? <laughs> this movie so, is- I mean, that's... that. I, I would just say is that is a... That constitutes even in an 80%. Like, yeah, at least. At least in an 80%. And what I, I will give it a little bit above that because, yeah, I, I think from a filmmaking standpoint and maybe from a commentary, a comedic commentary on things that are presented in this movie, it could have been better, which would have put it in the 90. But I think an 86% is where I'm going to land. That's absolutely fair. And um this is a movie that rises above its source material mm-hmm. its source material elevated is not, so much by the performance yeah is not something yeah. that would be worthwhile to watch on paper if you were to give me that script i'd be like this is clearly something for 
character or an actor with a character who has a personality who is going to throw some flavor into this and that part is executed a hundred percent like Jim Carrey performing this is done to the best of his ability. And you watch those performances sometimes and they are done to such an extent that it detracts from the overall movie Mm -hmm. and it doesn't elevate it. It it detracts from the overall message of it because you're just, you're distracting from what the movie is trying to say and the director is trying to do. And I think there was a harmonious relationship between the director and the main star of this movie. And this movie is about Ace Ventura. Yeah. And I think that it's a vehicle is a definitive sort of statement. And that helps propagate what I love, what you love about this movie is not that it's trying to represent anything else but Ace Ventura. Mm-hmm. It's just trying to express who Which this character is. Spades. And if you were to put him in this situation, this is how he would react. If you were to put him in Florida to try to solve a mascot of a d- dolphin for the first movie, Total, yeah, that's how he right. would react as well. Right. And in this movie, he's out of fish out of water. They decided to start the movie with him like... Uh, but he's also completely... In, in a place of, adept uh, too. of, of being weak and, mm. and everything but he is he's adept and, and which is and, a something uh, anybody any screenwriter out there is like that is a better default to be in like if adam sandler we've already said this in his prime. like he is adept at making he is i know that he is we you've mentioned out of the element but i would say that he knows where which trees the darts are coming from he knows uh sounds to make with his mouth for certain animals like he understands ecologically where uh guano is gonna be like he is an adept pet detective and that is so much better of a default than being this guy's a moron he acts like a moron and then he just almost by happenstance, solves the problem. Yeah. Like, because that's... uh, I hate to just harp on it, but, like, I just now, having watched this, having discussed it, this movie would be so much worse if this was a Rob Schneider, Happy Madison production, and where the guy is a moron, and he's just stumbling into situations which then he has to overcome. Like, the fact that he is competent to solve these problems but he has no fucking like grounded nature to him at all like that's funny live in that funniness but the fact that he's able to really he saw he like he figured it out like the end of the movie he's like this this is what you know does his whole little bit of like and this is what happens and then this is what happens and then like amazing yeah like and he he never seems behind the eight ball which is something that we've talked about especially like you know we're both huge fans of james bond and that's always been an issue with james bond and even the writers and producers have talked about it where you know and it happens in a lot of action movies too where uh dom toretto is a great example too is where like other people understand better what is happening and they're just thrust into the situation and they overcome it because obviously they're the main character. Of course they're going to win. And so it's just like, 
But as an audience member, you already know what is like what the case is or the solution or the bad guy and all of that stuff. And there isn't really even that in this movie, which was now thinking about it is so great. Like, yeah, you get a sense that that um, the uh, the not chancellor, but like the consulate, whatever his name is, um, is a bad dude. But that's just because of his attitude. We don't know anything about his real involvement in the plan. And then we discover that. And then even to the degree that it really is wonderfully nuanced where uh, the owner of the wild animal park, who's the, uh, the human to Tiki, like he is just a pawn in this. And he just relays like, actually, I was just doing it for this person. Like, I'm not really that bad of a guy. It's just, I have this wild animal park, so it's advantageous for me to help out this person, but it doesn't get into the, like, specifics of, well, I'm actually after power, and, like, and then you hear, like, there isn't a scene which happens often of, like, the Tiki's father, is what I'm going to call the guy, (laughs) is... He's at like the boardroom with the chancellor guy, and we've already right. seen that as an audience member of like they're conspiring to fuck up this province right. to extract the guano out of it. There isn't any of that, so we as an audience member are really pretty close to Ace's discoveries yeah. of all of that, right. which is like fucking smart it's writing like, and filmmaking. It's like Chinatown. It happens all the. <laughs> goddamn time yeah he's solving a mystery like he's a detective any fucking marvel movie like you watch you know who the bad guy is you're introduced to his plan relatively early because there's always a scene of like him coming to earth or him materializing in a location and saying okay we're going to do this and then so now we're just sitting there waiting until our superheroes get to the conflict and then go like Oh yeah, you're trying to take over the world. Let's let's beat you. Let's kick ass. Let's kick ass. Like that doesn't happen in that this movie, and it just it, again another situation that bumps me out about fucking critics, where it's like, where are you in that commentary? Like you watch all of that's your fucking. You don't want an Ace Ventura sequel. Is where you're that's all from. it is, and then you, don't, you just you don't get on it. You can't. You get just straight it. up don't want it. Yeah, you're like this. Yeah, this character. Did, you watch the first one and you go, that was a good movie. Yeah. I don't want any more of this. Yeah. The fact that you're making a sequel then goes into my need to comment on the movie industry as a whole being money hungry and they just make sequels. And then I can't get past that to just look at what is happening in this movie. And it bums me out again. And I've probably said this, I'll probably be, if anybody ever wants to materialize a t-shirt, like, it bums me out is a thing that I say often. And that's another situation of like, how did you not see that there are genuinely things in this movie that it doesn't do the stereotypical thing. It doesn't just give you, it definitely gives you more of a, of a particular thing that people gravitated towards, but it, it doesn't fully go full bore into let's make such a vanilla Disney-esque thing that sucks and it's boring. It It is guilty of repeating the hits, but I think they are very pur- purposeful and 
not reliant on those hits. They're not like, oh, if we do these things, people will enjoy this th- this movie. Right. And we're going to build up to those moments. The moments where he says those things are more throwaway. And then they build up to another sort of fruition of its own sort of movie. You could watch this movie. And Kara, my girlfriend that you mentioned earlier, thought this was the first movie. <laughs> right. She thought that this was the original Ace Ventura movie. Right. And... I do not blame her because you can watch this movie on its own as a child. I'm sure I did watch it at some point and think it was the Ace Ventura movie. I didn't think anything because there's never a mention of like, oh, remember and I think that it's very, case that I worked I on, like, and which another fuck Marvel so much in the movie so, where they're always like, oh, remember how we were on this case? Remember how we know these people from X, Y, and Z, and then they just jerk each other off? Like, yeah. He says the same things, but they're in the context that he's in in this movie. That's who that and it has been that, yeah, yeah, that's who the character is. And then it doesn't rely on like, oh, remember how this unfolded in this thing. It just is, oh, you know what? I'm going to change my score from an 86 <laughs> to an 89. I'm going to, I know it's a small adjustment, like pitchforks, re-reviews of albums. I know it's, no one gives a fuck. And I know the change is only 3%, but you know what? I'm fucking doing I'm giving it a goddamn 89%. This movie is funny. This movie is interesting. It is interesting in the things that it chooses not to do. And it is interesting in the things that it includes and still ages well to me. So it's an 89%. Fuck yeah, dude. And on that note, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Let's, yeah, let's uh, sign off to Ace Ventura when nature calls, because this was an episode um, long coming and to, to hit it at our 20th episode. Mark is uh, something that I think we kind of revel in. And I think to start with this in a sort of retrospective and to end in this moment of, Rebel Reef, yeah, uh, is is very heartening to us, and I hope you've enjoyed this journey uh, thus far. Yeah. Um, this movie we watched together last night, and we were laughing, laughing so hard, the majority of time, yeah. of the time. Like I cried, yeah, I cried last night, right, to this to this movie because it was so funny, and uh, I totally get it. If you do not feel that way, yeah, and that's it's a particular type totally of okay. humor, but and it's that does not, not does not upset me. We're not oh, we're dredging it up. No, no, no but I was just gonna yeah. say the same way that like a movie that I don't enjoy doesn't really like upset me the majority of the time. It would not upset me if you do not enjoy this movie, and that is completely okay. But this is a vessel for us to express our love. Um, if you enjoy this uh, journey with us, I I appreciate you taking it. Yeah, and just a couple uh, of commanders of love. What was that? We're a couple of commanders of love. We're on commanders of love. Yeah, is that what you said? Yeah, because we're fantastic. we're we're on a journey of love. We're the ones uh, commanding the ship. We're commanders of love. Commanders of love. I love it. Yeah. I love I love commanders of love. That's who we are. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you took this journey with us. If you're still here, uh, this was a movie that again means a lot to us and and we love it. If you haven't seen it in a while, treat yourself. Yeah. Treat yourself to a funny fucking movie. It's hard for us to even talk about the specifics because it's, they're so ingrained in our soul. Um, yeah. And if you happen to do it, 
please let us know what your favorite moment was. Yeah. Let us know uh, if there's a movie that you feel like you champion that you want us to talk about or that you fucking hate that you want us to talk about. Mm. This is a movie or like, sorry, this is a podcast for people to express their most heightened emotions, whether they be hate or love. And it's a weird sort of sinew of those things. If you understand where we're coming from, for me, it's a place of having a hard time with uh, confrontation and controversy. Mm. And this helps me release my own sort of emotions about things that people feel very divisive about. And it's with a friend of mine that uh, I love very dearly. And uh, we are about to go see a concert of a band that we both love love a lot, love very much, which is almost no one that I've talked to knows about. I brought it up at work. Um, No one knows who he is. And it's, yeah, it's just one of those things, just maybe like this movie where it is, you, you either know about it or you don't. And then or even if you don't know about it, you listen to it and you go, this isn't for me right off the bat. It just, it's it just like with the band that we're going to see. If you like it, you usually subscribe to it pretty quickly. You get on board with what it's about, the vibe that it's giving off, the message that it's about, the comedy of it, the music to talk about the concert. And like, I don't know, like those type of things you know, to your point, James is like, not everybody's going to like this and not everybody's going to like, you know, every movie that we do, or we're going to disagree on stuff. But, um, I don't know. Like what, what is the message we're giving? Open your mind. No, it's like, it's okay. It's okay to not like stuff. Like if you don't, you know what, if you don't like this podcast, if you don't like our opinions, you know what? I mean, there's no way that you got to the end of this <laughs> and not, not like what we're talking about. But anyways, like, you know, to the people who are listening, like if you're out in your out in the world and in your reality and you're like, man, I really love these things and I'm afraid to, you know, to maybe talk about it because people won't like it. It's just understand people aren't going to like everything that you like. And it's OK. It's a weird thing for us to start because i'm a person that doesn't super hate things. a lot of things yeah, for sure i super love maybe a good amount of things but i'm very middling on a lot of things but like i am trying to understand the hyperbolic nature that our culture has taken part in uh and i know it's taken uh a form of its own and there's reasons for it uh but Rotten Tomatoes, in its own way, is another social media site where people express their opinions. And this, I'm getting into way outside of my depth right now. But uh, even podcasts themselves are another way for us to express our opinions and for other people to not just subscribe to those opinions. I don't want you to subscribe to what I have to say. I don't want you to... Be like, yeah, I feel what you're saying. Like, I want you to disagree. I want you to feel what you have to have to say. And if Rotten Tomatoes is your venue to express it, that's cool. And we will talk about it. Uh, but for us here, this is how we choose to talk about it is uh, this this podcast. Yes. Because 
yeah, like I don't review things on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes or Amazon, but I talk about other people's reviews on here, and that's how I like to do it. Uh, but for us here, please uh, reach out to us on Polarize the pod at, the pod at gmail.com, Polarize Pod uh, on, twi- on Twitter and Twitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bid you adieu. Uh, we are going to go see a fantastic concert from Caribou. Yes. Um, it's been a pleasure. Buried the lead a little we'll bit, but that's what we're doing. Caribou, that, baby. Caribou, baby. Uh, we'll see you next time. We love you all. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye.